Hi, thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Happy Thanksgiving again, everyone. I, um, first, I wanted to do something just right off the hop here. I wanted to just say a, a big thank you to Sean Graham, who spoke last week, just guest speaker, one of our own, uh, and did an amazing job. And he kept trying to tell us that he was nervous, and I'm not buying it. So, um, man, just the talent in this church, the ability is awesome and amazing, and look forward to hearing more from Sean uh, in the future. Hey, um, so just by a show of hands this morning, how many at some point over the course of this weekend are going to sacrifice a turkey? Yeah, okay, all right, awesome, sweet, nice. Um, how, how many even today, even at noon today? Or later today, so, yeah? Okay, so just so you know, we'll try and get you out of here on time. Um, I'm, I wanted you to know, I've, I've made it known before that, that I'm not a turkey fan, that turkey is not my strong suit, um, but I, I want you to know, I want you to understand today that I applaud you for having turkey, and I want to encourage you, go hard. Buy many, eat lots, because near as I can tell, that just leaves more room for cows. Okay? And that, to me, is progress. So you go, you go after it. Uh, and in mission this morning, I don't normally get excited about speaking on Thanksgiving or, or some of these sort of dates on the calendar. Um, it's a little bit like Christmas, you know, where you know that gift that you get every year from that certain person, you know, socks, and it's the same, you know it's coming, and you see it, there it is, yeah, it's the same size of box, and you open it up, and yes, indeed, socks again. Um, so, you know, sometimes it feels to me like that's sort of Thanksgiving. We know what's in the box, we know what's coming, and somehow I'm going to try and have to make this fresh and new and exciting, and so challenge seems to be a little bit uh, overwhelming at points, but this year I got to say that I'm actually excited about talking to you on Thanksgiving. When we went through and did our, our calendars out and, and I saw that I was going to be up today, um, I started to get a little bit amped up about it, and I'll tell you why. Um, it's because I'm becoming more convinced all the time that, that we need Thanksgiving, in this world that we're living in right now, in the world that we are encountering day by day, we, we need something to help us look up and look out, something that we can be thankful for. It seems to me that our horizon is getting dragged down more and more all the time. Our perspective is getting lower and lower. We're looking at things around us. And as we do that, that we're seeing things that don't inspire us, that we're not thankful about. And it's, and it's pressing in 
on us. I don't know if that's your case this morning. I think even Thanksgiving itself has started to take on some of that perspective. You know, for a lot of people, even family isn't something that they can get stoked about. Challenges within those relationships. And so it's harder and harder to be thankful about that when it leads them to look at challenges and issues that are brewing within those contexts. And so Thanksgiving, it seems, is, you know, has been relegated to this idea where we look around us and we try and get excited and stoked up about the material blessings in our lives. We're thankful for harvest. We're, look, we're thankful for the, the creature comforts. And, and those are good things, perhaps. I even concede this morning that those are things that we should be thankful for. But I would also say that they're not enough. In and of themselves, they're not significant enough to inspire us. They're too pedestrian. They just don't give us enough to hang our hopes on. They're too wanting for them to be successful in helping us to combat the circumstances that we see all around us in society. They're not sufficient to help us withstand the challenges that we increasingly see today. So this morning, I agree more and more with the psalmist who calls us to lift up our eyes to the mountains from whence our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord and we need to move our perspective back to Him today. Perhaps like we've never done before on account of everything else that tries to distract us and occupies our vision and our sight lines as we know it in our lives now. We need to lift our eyes up, not just to the politicians. It's not going to do it. We need to lift our eyes up, not just to the stock markets. It's not going to do it. We have to lift our eyes up to the Lord. And so this morning, I want to look at three things that I believe are foundational for us as followers of Jesus Christ that lead us to a foundation of thankfulness. And not just a foundation or a platform, but actually three things that lead us to where thankfulness breeds in our lives. Three things that elevate our perspective that pull our view away from these things that are disillusioning and disappointing and that don't conjure up any form of thankfulness, but rather to three things that transcend life as we know it, that aren't temporal 
and subject to the fluctuations that we find in the world around us. Three things that will move us to a different level, a different elevation in our world, in our lives, in our experience, where we can be thankful people moving through life despite what we encounter. Before we go any further, though, would you, again, just once more pray with me and ask God to be with us. Father, again, this morning, in these next few moments, I pray that as I talk, that you would speak. Father, this morning, as I labor, I pray that by your Spirit, you would work. Lord, as I propose that you would persuade And God, as I try and encourage that you would inspire, that you would move us, that you would speak to us, that we would know better your presence, that we would know better your power, that you would change us as your people, that we would become thankful people. Looking up always to you and allowing you to guide us through life in a different way. In a way that the world doesn't understand. And that as we do, that we would become a greater and greater testimony for your Son, Jesus Christ. And now I pray these things in His name. For His sake alone. Amen. Alright, if you'd turn with me in your Bibles. If you've got your phones and you've got a Bible app, feel free to flip those open and tag along there. Uh, if you prefer, you can use uh, one of the Bibles, few Bibles that's in front of you, that you, of you there. If nothing else, we'll try and have this all on the screen for you where you'll be able to follow along with that. So turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. There Paul writes, But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as His captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. The setting here is, Paul, having just received some good news from Titus, and incidentally, we're going to be looking at the book of Titus starting next week. We're going to be going through that, so be sure you be here for that. That's going to be awesome. We're going to be doing it in small groups. I trust that you're part of small groups. Uh, if you're not, be sure to go to the information center after the service, and we'll do our best to get you uh, hooked up with one of those, and, and you'll be ready to dive into Titus. But Paul has just heard through Titus, some good news about the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church had been in difficult circumstances and situations. It was being uh, besieged by some elements and some people that were trying to influence it away from the gospel, away from the influence of the apostles. And thankfully, Paul received news that the gospel was actually prevailing over these ulterior forces. And so he breaks out in thanksgiving to God on account of this news that he's heard. And the picture here is of a Roman triumphal procession. Paul seems to have this in mind as he praises God, as he thanks Him for what he's heard. 
When a Roman general back in those days accomplished a significant feat, military feat, usually on some sort of a foreign land or foreign territory, a circumstance where he accomplished some great victory, the emperor might decide to throw in his honor a triumphal procession. Now, it had to be significant. This was not something that he would just do for some small skirmish, some inconsequential battle. More likely, it would be done when someone had gone and overcame, conquered a territory for the empire. Or when they had gone, a general had gone out and utterly defeated an enemy of the empire. And if it had been a significant enough victory, then the emperor would decide, well, all right, this guy deserves, this general deserves that we would throw him a triumphal procession. Triumphal processions were extravagant. They were full of pomp and circumstance, all kinds of ceremony. What would happen is that the, the general would be brought to the outskirts of Rome. And there, he, there a, a parade would convene, and it would be in his honor. And it would lead him into the city, through the streets of the city, and, and ultimately end up at the capital. The pinnacle of power, if you, would, if you will, of the world at that time. Flower petals would be strewn on the, on the route, in front of the parade. And incense would be burned along the path as well, in celebration of what had happened, what was going on. Typically... The procession would, would, would begin with the Roman senators and government officials leading the procession. Next would come artifacts and some of the plunder, the treasure that had been taken in the conquest. In front of the conquering general who would be in a chariot, being led through this, in this procession, in front of him would come those he had conquered. Generally speaking, first of all, the officials of the land that he had conquered, the king, or his military uh, heads, the, the, the military makimaks that they had defeated. And then with them then, a group of prisoners, captives, that were willingly now, they were privileged for some reason to be included here as testimony to the accomplishment of the general. Then would come the general himself, and behind the general would be his military forces. And his military forces would be calling out, Hail, triumphant one! As they made their way up to the capital. Don't miss this picture that Paul paints for us this morning of what God has done for us now as his followers through Jesus Christ. Paul paints this picture of a triumphal procession of Jesus Christ in our world where God has sent his son Jesus to earth, if you will, on a foreign campaign to overcome the forces opposed to God's kingdom. To overcome Satan. To overcome sin. To overcome death. And what's more, then Paul shows us that he has taken 
those of us who have now placed our faith in Jesus Christ, who now call him Lord and Savior, and he has placed us in this triumphal procession for Christ as the willing captives, if you will, the privileged people, prisoners, that are now preceding the king, preceding Christ, as witnesses, as testimony to his victory over us, over sin, over the sin in our lives, over Satan and his control, over death itself. We are now that testimony to who Christ is and what he has done. Note that Paul doesn't associate himself with the military people on the victor's army, of, of the victor's army, of the general's army. We're not the military people, if you will, of Christ. We're not part of his forces. No, we're the captives. Paul loves this image. We see it come out over and over in his writing. We're this, the willing captives. Those that God has taken prisoner out of the ranks of sin and now into his family. And so we become the testimony of God's victory. And in that then also, we become testimony to the victory that we have in him as well. No longer are we prisoners to sin, but we're now reconciled to God himself. We've been taken captive not to live in the prison of sin, but now rather we've been taken captive out of sin to live for Christ as his ambassadors and emissaries, liberated to this new testimony for Christ in the world around us. Hear Paul this morning as we come to this Thanksgiving weekend. Hear him. Life isn't about the material blessings. Those aren't the things that are to preoccupy our thankfulness. Good things, and we're thankful for them, yes. We're not to be about, though, the creature comforts. That isn't what is to, our, to be our focus today. Good things, yes, but not our focus. Paul is calling us to a life that goes beyond that, to a life where we become a part of a triumphal procession of Christ in this world where we testify to him overcoming sin and leading us on now to the pinnacle, to the capital, to that point where one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But we get to go not as those that have been hostile and left to that, but rather as these willing captives, privileged prisoners, granted new life in Christ's kingdom. Interesting, interestingly, 
royalty, if you will, of the, of the territory that had been conquered, the king, or the, the military officials that had been opposing the Roman forces in whatever campaign they'd been, been involved in. They would be proceeding at the, the, the beginning of the, the prisoner section of the parade, if you will. And along the route, they would be hived off and summarily executed as part of the celebration. They were vanquished. That is not our lot as prisoners of Christ when we come to faith in Him. We are not hived off and separated from God for eternity, but rather we're granted entrance into His family, a position in His kingdom. And as such, we have reason to be so thankful. Thanks be to God. And that's where Paul starts this whole thing. Thanks be to God. Because again, it is only on God's initiative. It's only through His power and His accomplishment through Christ that we have that. It's on no account of our own that we're able to enjoy that. Thanks be to God. When we have that frame of reference for our lives. We have reason to be thankful people. Next, turn with me if you would to Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. This is a familiar passage. Paul again writing says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. With thanksgiving through prayer comes the peace of God in our lives today. Note that. With thanksgiving through prayer comes the peace of God in our lives today. Thanksgiving is key in this process. Because without it, our prayers and petitions to God amount merely to verbalizations then of our anxieties and fears. Not that that's a problem to bring our anxieties and fears to God. We, we want to do that. He encourages us to do that. But he sets out for us. He in, in, uh, requests of us. He, he, he um, instructs us, if you will if you will, to do so within the context of thanksgiving. Because with thanksgiving then, it changes our perspective. It sets up a different context through which we see our anxiety and fear. In fact, what it does is it allows our prayers to become demonstrations of our trust and faith in God over our anxiety and fear in life. Now, left at that, I suspect that this might easily amount to something akin to a ritual or perhaps a tradition. At worst case, it would amount to an obligation. That somehow, 
we come away from this passage thinking that what we're required to do by God is be thankful. So Doug, when you pray, be thankful. And so as I come to my prayers, my petitions of God, I go through the checklist and I check it off. Okay, be thankful. But this morning, we need to understand, we need to see that this isn't just an arbitrary request from God. It's not just nice advice, but rather that there is rationale behind it. It's not just a hoop that he wants us to jump through, but there's reason that he sets it up this way and asks us to participate with him in this respect. So it merits a bit of time for us this morning to look at this and understand it a little bit more thoroughly. Let's go back to verse 7. There it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The first thing that we see here is that the peace of God is of God. Of God speaks then to its origin and his character. The peace of God originates with him. And as such, we understand that peace is of the character and nature of God. From that then, we know and understand that God is a God of peace. In other words, the peace of God informs us that he is a God of peace. Sometimes, I think that we can be lulled into an insipid view of God when we think of Him as a God of peace. In this world today, peaceful isn't generally regarded highly. We'll often default to the idea that peaceful is the process or the tactic that we are relegated to if we don't have the ability in and of ourselves to arbitrarily accomplish what we want. I think oftentimes we think that peace is for pacifists. And pacifists are weak, inconsequential, not significant. Weak amounts to nothing in our minds. So our temptation this morning is to come to this God of peace and dismiss Him at worst. Diminish Him, perhaps. And therein miss the value of what God is offering us today. So don't be fooled. And I want to look really quickly at three things. Three reasons why that is not the case. Three reasons why what God is offering us today is significant when he offers us his peace. Number one, A, if you will, this God of peace is a God of power. Don't dismiss him today because this God of peace is a God of power. Hebrews 13.20 says this, Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus... This God of peace that we serve is unlike any other God out there that we might deem a God. This God of peace that we serve 
is different than, uh, than any other God that the world proposes to us today should be and would be a God in our lives. This God of peace has the power to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. So this God of peace that we serve is a God of power beyond our understanding or our ability. And we can't miss that today as we come to Him. Don't be lulled into an anemic sense of God. Don't be lulled into an insipid definition of of God. Our God is powerful, more powerful than any other God that could be proposed or enthroned by ourselves in our lives today. He's a God of power. B, this God of peace offers us peace where it matters most. This God of peace offers us peace where it matters most. Back to Philippians 7, 4, 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Where will we find this peace? We will find it in our hearts and minds. Which is to say today, where it is most effective. Again, I think we often go to God focused on our external circumstances. We go to God looking at the world and the issues around us and we ask Him to intervene on that level. And that's again, okay. We can ask Him. We just saw that He's a God of power. When He chooses, when He deems appropriate, He will act on those levels as well, on our behalf. So it's okay to go to him on that level and ask him for his assistance with those things that are beyond us in our lives. Absolutely. But it seems to me that were God to only offer us peace on external levels, that that would be a limited gift. That that would be a second-rate gift today. And we know that that is not who God is because every good and perfect gift comes down from God the Father. Not secondary gifts. Not second-rate gifts. So we need to understand that what He is offering us today is first-rate, top-notch. Because He offers us peace where it matters most. Not just externally, but peace that is internal. That will affect you and I in our hearts and our minds where we live every day. And if you're like me, maybe you've found that even when things are going well all around us, when our circumstances are going swimmingly, that I can still, even in those circumstances, be beat up and burdened with anxiety and fear. Maybe perhaps afraid that these circumstances are going to change. That something is going to end and that there are going to be problems that will result. Maybe afraid and worried that I can't control these circumstances, that I can't somehow preserve them, prolong them. And so I start to ask myself the what if questions. What what if this happens, Doug? Doug? I know it's going well right now, but what if, what if this happens? What if that happens? And even in the midst of 
good circumstances. I can be overwhelmed internally. But God comes along and he offers us his peace, not just on those external levels, but on those internal levels, despite what's going on around us, where even if those circumstances are to change for the worse, even if those circumstances don't change for the better, that in my heart and in my mind I can have a peace. Despite that, a peace where it matters most, where it accomplishes the most, where it means the most. See, this God of peace offers not just a semblance of peace. Hear that today. This God of peace offers not just a semblance of peace this morning, but a peace that is true, that is lasting, that is deep, that endures. A peace that transcends all understanding. Verse 7 again, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace that goes beyond what we could ever anticipate in the midst of whatever circumstance that we're in. Peace that goes beyond what the world could ever begin to comprehend and imagine. Maybe you've experienced that peace, that peace that passes understanding somewhere at some point in your life. Peace where the world just looks at us and shakes their heads because it doesn't compute. How can you be going through this? How can this be your circumstance and you be able to navigate calmly without fear, without anxiety, without worry? I've experienced that peace that passes understanding in my life. And here's the thing. With that, with that peace that just doesn't make sense in the middle of everything that I would happen to be going through, with that peace has come a sense of God's divine presence and His touch on my life. I've come to know him as true, as real, as tangible, as significant, as he's visited me with his peace in the midst of all the chaos, the carnage that I see going on around me, the loss, the pain that was my experience at those points. And this morning, church family, that is no small thing. That is not insignificant. Don't ever underestimate it. Don't ever dismiss it. Don't miss out on it. What God is offering us is amazing. So this morning, as Paul calls us and encourages us, to come to God with our prayers and petitions 
with thanksgiving. Go there, do it. And you will find the peace of God in your lives. He will become real to you. And we will become thankful people understanding God, knowing Him better. Lastly, this morning, look with me at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, the writer says, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a kingdom that cannot be destroyed, a kingdom that cannot be detoured, a kingdom that cannot be derailed, a kingdom that cannot be eroded, a kingdom that cannot be lost, but a kingdom that is not able to be shaken, firm, secure. Let us be thankful. Galatians 4.7 says, Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are His child, God has made you His heir. Through Jesus Christ, we are no longer enemies of God, but we have been made a part of His family, His very children. Heirs, join heirs with Jesus Christ himself in the kingdom that God promises is to come. What a hope that we have. In our world today, we don't find kingdoms that cannot be shaken. We don't find security that God offers us like this. Nowhere. There's no, I would say take that to the bank, but there's no bank that can offer us that kind of security. There's no government that can offer us that kind of security. But God pledges in Christ that that is ours on account of what Christ has done and because of the fact that he has made us his kids. When we place our faith in him, and Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, he says this, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, these are the things God has prepared for those that love Him. There is coming a day that you and I, as heirs of Jesus Christ, will be given our inheritance. There's coming a time when you and I, who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, will be giving, given an inheritance from God, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that changes the way I live today. Thanks be to God that no matter what this life holds, no matter the difficulties and the turmoils and the struggles that we might go through, that one day, one day is coming a kingdom for you and me that we can't even begin to hope or imagine. Thanks be to God. This morning, church family, as we wrap this up and as we start to head out to those turkeys, lift up your eyes. 
Oh, that we would be a church, that we would be a people that lift up our eyes, that adopt this perspective of thankfulness in our lives as we remember that our lives, are, we're called to be this triumphal procession for Christ, Jesus Christ, and what he has done for us. The difference that that makes in our lives, no longer slaves to sin, but his slaves, liberated to be his ambassadors. That as we go into this life, that we would be thankful people because God offers us his peace. This God of peace is a God of power and he offers us the opportunity of peace that transcends our circumstances. For that we should be thankful people. And that he offers us today a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That we've got in our back pocket, it's an ace up our sleeve that we can count on. Thanks be to God. And as we pursue and entrench those things in our, our lives, I'm convinced that they will breed thankfulness in our hearts and our minds, despite our circumstances. They will, I will change us as his people, that we will transcend our society, that we will become a better and greater testimony for him as we live out these things day by day. Let's pray. Father, today, again now, we stop and we say thank you. Thank you, God. I pray that you would help each one of us now. That you would give us success as we try and keep these things in mind, as we adopt them as our perspective, as we employ them in our hearts and minds day by day. In the midst of the circumstances, whatever they might be in our world. God, help us in that. It's not a small task. It's not easy, I recognize. But by your Spirit, come upon us. Make us thankful people. Help us, not just this weekend, but day by day, to go forward into life, thanking you, looking to you always, and testifying to your goodness to us. For those that don't know you yet, and I ask all of these things now, in Jesus Christ's name and for his sake alone. Amen.